This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I think a lesser man runs from this show tonight. A lesser man would be terrified. A lesser man, if he went 0-7 picking Washington and Michigan games this year, would tap out, would call in sick, would pretend his vocal cords were damaged after throwing up from food poisoning. Something along those lines. I, friends, have chosen the opposite approach. I am leaning into tonight's show as defiant as I possibly can. You may say pride goeth before the fall. But I would counter, humble men die every day too. That's a meemaw quote. It's not a meemaw quote. I'm all alone. I made it up. I am terrified. But I do think we had one little sliver, one little ray of hope and sunshine that made its way into the office a little while ago. I think things are turning around for me on the Husky Wolverine front and not a moment too soon because we are headed to Houston tomorrow for the national championship game. But tonight we are jam-packed. We are high atop a chilly downtown Nashville, Tennessee, late kick live for Thursday night, January 4th. The year of our Lord, 2024. Yes, we will predict the national championship game tonight, but we've also got portal bombs going off left and right. We got Ohio State having a quarterback within the last hour or two. We got big changes coming in college football. I'm going I'm to broach that tonight. I think there's a much larger conversation to be had probably after the curtain falls on the 2024-2023 season. And uh, maybe next week we'll do this. But too many of you have asked what I meant by something I put out there the other day. So I will address that tonight. And LSU is making moves. LSU, Brian Kelly just woke up and, and hit the dump button on his entire defensive staff. 
Also not a moment too soon, they would argue down there. So I'm going to talk about that. I got several radical proposals you guys have come at me with. We've got a jam-packed show. Olive Branch, Mississippi is tuned in, as is Amarillo, Texas, Louisville, Kentucky, and Bristol, Tennessee. Thank you guys so much. Let's waste no time. Frankly, I didn't plan on two nights ago going uh, 72 minutes, but it did. So let's try and have a nice, nice, compact show tonight. Michigan versus Washington is about as good a contrast in styles as we can get for the national championship game. And I was racking my brain, what is this? What does this compare to? What's the data point in history? And of course, of course, it's March 29th, 1987. It's 93,173 people in the Pontiac Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan for WrestleMania three. It's Hulk Hogan. It's Andre the Giant. It's the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. That's basically what we have this Monday night in Houston, more or less. I don't think the outcome's been determined yet. And hey, to hear Hulk Hogan tell it, the outcome of that match wasn't determined until the day of. But I can't wait for the matchup, just the the clash of styles. Now, what I will say, as you look in the top of the screen here, or as you listen on podcast and you hear that FanDuel currently has Michigan as a four and a half point favorite, I will say this, sometimes when you have these contrasting styles and you have these point spreads under a touchdown, Everyone walks around day of the game. I hear it every single time. And they say, oh, it'll be a great game tonight. Oh, man, it's going to come down to the whoever has the ball last. I don't know about that. Sometimes in a Styles Clash matchup, it's 30 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Other times it's 30 to 30, or maybe it's 10 to 10 in the fourth quarter. I don't necessarily have the best feel on that. I do have a kind of feel on the style of game we're going to get. So let's just hop into this. I wonder if Michigan's going to take the bait. Uh, J.J. McCarthy could set himself up to have opportunities to go off in this thing. But as you well know, Michigan is a run-first team, and they are very good. I got Blake Corum. He's one of the best players we've seen in college football. They can run on Washington. I don't think the stat profiles, I don't, think, I don't even think a Washington fan would argue otherwise. 12 of 14 opponents that have faced Washington have gone over 100 on the ground. And several have gone well over 100 on the ground. You got Blake Corm, you got J.J. McCarthy, you got that offensive line. Yes, they can do work on the ground. And it probably uh, best suits Michigan to own the game on the ground and do what they did against Bama, just bleed clock, and it feels like you're never getting the ball back. And certainly, there's that voice in the back of your mind that says, the more you have the ball, the less that dude over there, that left-handed quarterback has the ball. Yes, yes, that's all on the table. However, the bait I'm talking about is that offensive staff knowing full well this is the worst pass defense, statistically, that they have faced all year. Michigan has seen one other pass defense that's even remotely as statistically bad as Washington, and that's Purdue. And J.J. McCarthy went 24-37 for 335 against them. So, it could very well be that Michigan's offensive brain trust look at this matchup and say, yeah, we could run the ball if we wanted to, but why not take what's there? Why not play to our strengths versus their weakness? And let's let this quarterback we trust go off. Now, the reason I call it bait is because I think that is obviously something that could work for them. But if I were to randomly turn this game on in the third quarter and Washington's up because Michigan's turned the ball over, it's probably that style of play that puts you at greater risk. I don't think they're going to coach scared in the game or anything like that. And it may be that they throw the ball on Washington and they go off. They don't turn the ball over. It's high percentage stuff. It's, it's move the pocket left and right. It's play action. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't doubt they'll have their stuff together here. I just wonder if they think it necessary. That's, that's my first point there. My second point on this game is explosive plays are the key for Washington. They have been all year. They were against Texas. That insane stat Michael Penix had, he was, a, he was 7 of 11 for 257 yards on throws that went 15 or more yards in the air. That's not that dump stuff in the flat and let your yards after catch take over. That is balls that leave your hand and go at least 15 yards before it touches your receiver. 7 of 11 for 257. That's video game stuff. You're not supposed to be able to do that in a playoff game. Michael Penix, most 20-plus yard deep balls in America this year, 5.2 yards. Forget the yardage. That wouldn't be a good stat. He averages 5.2 explosive pass plays per game. And yet I just watched Michigan shut down Alabama on that front. Now, this is an entirely different passing attack. I will grant you that all day, twice on Sunday or twice on Monday. But Bama didn't even have a pass over 30 yards. And they have been fairly effective at doing that particular thing this year. Michigan runs a ton of zone. I didn't do the full forensic breakdown of zone versus man and what Michael Penix and Washington have seen this year. But our buddies over at PFF kind of did. Uh, Michigan's run zone 76% of their defensive snaps this year. That's seventh most in the country. I don't doubt that that's what Washington sees from them Monday night. And so it may be that you have to be a little more methodical. Or conversely, it could be that Roma Dunze pulls a Marvin Harrison. We were looking at wide receiver ones and what they've done against Michigan this year. And Harrison went off because he goes off against pretty much anyone. But outside of Marvin Harrison... No one really went off at that wide receiver one position against Michigan, but there really isn't a Roma Dunze elsewhere on their schedule. And it's not just him. It's McClellan. It's, it's Polk. It's or McMillan, not McClellan. It's him and Polk. It's a bunch of guys. So, you know, there's a, there's a school of thought out there from folks picking Washington in this game that there was never an opportunity for Michigan to see this kind of passing attack this year. And that's true. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that's accurate. It just it comes down to that same age-old question, does good offense beat good defense, which is if you're not intrigued by the helmets on the field, is what should intrigue you about this game. Because people have argued this forever, and we get another chapter in that philosophy versus philosophy debate Monday night. I think the start in this game is very, very key. A lot of times that's overhyped. A lot of times you get folks who say, I think the first 10 minutes will tell us everything we need to know, which sometimes is completely ridiculous. Other times, though, when you have such a contrast in style and such a difference in the way teams want to play a football game, if you have Michigan go three and out and Washington grab an early seven or ten point lead and force them to play catch up, that is worlds different than Michigan forcing a three and out and going 11 plays, 72 yards in six minutes and 48 seconds and putting a score on the board. And then you're scared if they force another three and out, we could end up near halftime and we've held the ball twice or three times. Obviously, in a game where it's oil and water in terms of philosophy, that's very important. Last game for each of these teams, last game, think about it, from the Rose Bowl early and the Sugar Bowl late, think about how they came out of the gate. Because as much as Michigan uh, ended up celebrating and winning a game, I thought they played really tight early on. Special teams were a disaster for them all night long. Uh, conversely, Washington came out firing. Now, I don't have any reason to believe that that's just a copy-paste, 
duplicate that, and that'll be the same Monday night. For all I know, it'll be inverted, and Washington will be tight, and Michigan will play with their hair on fire. Uh, but in a weird way, I almost gain confidence if I'm Michigan. Because eight times out of ten, you're supposed to lose that game. If you play a team as good as Alabama, and you're that bad in a third of the game, you're supposed to lose. The fact that you didn't, and now you get an opportunity to clean all that up, uh, it, it bodes well for me. I'd actually have a little confidence. But also, if I was Kalen DeBoer, uh, me, if I'm Kalen DeBoer, I've been there before, albeit at a different level. I've coached in championship settings. My team hasn't. But now that I've seen them in the Superdome, in a semifinal against Blue Blood Texas, against that Longhorn, against a 75-25 crowd split, and we never flinched, and we made them play catch-up all night, Dude, my guys didn't have to sit around a month after that game. We went back home, and we got to be back on the road three days later, and it's, it's, a, it's a week afterwards. I, I don't doubt that both of them will come out firing. Firing means different things for different teams here, but uh, that, special teams, that special teams aspect for Michigan, I'd be very surprised if that was duplicated here. I, I'm not saying it'll be the best in the world, but I'd be very surprised if that was duplicated here. So we arrive at the moment that everyone's waited on but me. I, I, I was like a kid sitting outside the principal's office because they called my parents to come pick me up today. I didn't want this show to arrive. I have been disastrous. The model has been disastrous on Michigan and really Washington this year. And as you know, I've never been wrong on a game in my life. When I have picked a team that didn't end up winning the game, it's always been either kids or coaches or officials who screwed it up. I was right. They screwed it up. My fear is that I could end up being wrong for the first time in my illustrious career tonight, but we're going to do it anyway. The model right now looks at the FanDuel number, which is Michigan minus four and a half, and it says, we think it's right. The model, the model is right here. It's talking to me. It says Michigan minus five. But anyone who's followed the JP poll all year understands that the model, even today, does not have Washington in its top five. So it's been wrong all year. So what do we do here? Well, I had a, I had a few ideas, but I scrapped all of them. Like I said, I want to be defiant here. I want to lean in. But I also want to tell you something. I think both of you are going to lose Monday night. I just happen to think Michigan's going to lose a little bit less than Washington is. And so with much angst and anger and bitterness all around the great state of Michigan, I'm telling you guys, I think somehow you're going to pull it out. But before you get mad at me, and before you think that I've just written your obituary three or four days early, Colin, could you please show the fine folks at home what arrived at our doorstep earlier today? Because I ordered P.F. Chang's, and they don't pay us a dime, by the way. But I ordered P.F. Chang's, and I didn't even care what the food was. I just told them, load us up with as many fortune cookies as you can because I need one. And I cracked open, I want to say seven, Jesse, I cracked open, cracked open seven or eight fortune cookies from P.F. Chang's. I just didn't like the first seven, but on the eighth try, that's what came out. And if you're listening on podcast, it says all I needed to know. And that is victory is just around the corner. I don't care what TSA says, that will be in my pocket when I head over to the airport tomorrow. I am taking that on the road with me. And I'm 0-7 right now, picking these games with these teams. But you mark my words, and in the words of Mr. Chang, Mr. P.F. over there, I will be one in seven by the time that the confetti settles and the dust settles Monday night. 
And if that doesn't work, I'll probably just retire these two teams and we will never talk about them again. So there you go. I'm picking Michigan not to lose. I'm not even going to be so bold as to pick a winner in the game. But with the wind of P.F. Chang's fortune cookies in my sails, I am picking Michigan not to lose Monday night. I hope you're happy. Because I'm not. Let us move on. Because we got a lot of news breaking today. Normally, when we're on the semi-eve of a national championship game, the rest of the sport is sort of quiet. That has not been the case. Not at all. The transfer portal, you can see the flames from miles away. Just bombs going off in the transfer portal today. First off, Quinshawn Judkins has entered the transfer portal. That is the number one tailback at Ole Miss. Some would say the number one tailback in the country at the very least. He's in the conversation to be that, which I think struck some people as odd. Because if you're not paying attention to the day-to-day of this, you probably have seen Ole Miss racking up in the portal And you would have thought, well, certainly if they're going and getting guys out of the portal, they're not going to lose guys to the portal. Well, that's where you have to get a little nuanced and get a little into the weeds here. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins is a supreme talent. Quinshawn Judkins knows that as well. I did some digging around Oxford, figuratively today, and I could not find anyone over there to act shocked about this. Now, I'm not shocked. We've been waiting on this. We've had this prepped for like a month. I thought he was going to be in there a month ago. So uh, we expected this. I will say that the sentiment in Oxford is wish you well next. That, that's been kind of the sentiment. Now, if you hadn't followed the day-to-day here, you may think that they're, they're tossing televisions out of windows and they're burning couches. That's not the case. They're, they're okay with it. Juckins is okay with it. Um, just kind of a situation maybe where both parties needed to move on. And that's the best and most professional, sanitized way that I can summarize that. Guys, this is a new era of college football, and there are factors in play very publicly that didn't used to be in play. And so, until things change, occasionally you're going to see star players randomly move on, and you can read between the lines and know exactly why. And if someone doesn't want to play that game, someone else out there will play that game to the tune that that person wants the game played at. And uh, I'd keep an eye on Auburn in this is what I'm trying to tell you. Alabama departures. We've seen several of them, and this is going to be normal for them every year. It's going to be normal for all the top teams every year. There's a list a mile long on our screen right now. The ones that have stood out to me, Earl Little Jr., is a defensive back that figured to have a bigger role this year, but he's had a couple of injuries that have set him back a little bit. He's in the portal. Malik Benson, a wide receiver for them. Out of all the kids who have gone in the portal, that's the one that I've gotten feedback on the most to the tune of, wow, I really hate that. That's the one that's, that's kind of struck the nerve with the locals there and people inside the program. Elsewhere, this is going to be normal for the Alabamas of the world. You're going to have half a dozen to a dozen guys every year. Uh, Seth McLaughlin had uh, the most trouble that I've ever seen at the major college football level, snapping a ball the other night in in the uh, semifinal game. He's in the portal, had a couple of other uh, offensive linemen, a couple of defensive linemen. They have gotten word that several guys are coming back. I want to say Malachi Moore. I want to say I saw that earlier today. Deontay Lawson, the linebacker coming back. So it's a, it's a mixed bag there. I think Arnold and Kool-Aid are going pro. So 
this is this is Georgia, this is Alabama, this is like every year for them. It's just uh, different names any given year. Christian Story in the portal, Ja'Cory Brooks uh, a couple of weeks ago in the portal. So keep an eye on Alabama. We were keeping an eye on Julian Fleming, and he has landed at Penn State. He is committed to Penn State. That was a former number one wide receiver in the country out of Pennsylvania. He went to Ohio State, kind of lost in the shuffle of a really deep wide receiver room there. Now look, once upon a time, Jamison Williams left Ohio State having done not much and went to Alabama and exploded. Don't make that your expectation. It's only going to set you up for heartbreak. Don't be expecting Fleming to come in there to Happy Valley and rewrite the record books, 1,100 yards receiving this upcoming fall. Just be surprised if it does happen. Don't be mad if it doesn't happen. Having said that, that wide receiver room is, is badly in need of skill and it's badly in need of maturity. You know, you saw Dante Cephas hit the door. Once upon a time, they brought him in from Kent State last year and, and thought he'd be one of the answers to the prayers of that room. Didn't work out that way. I don't even think he played in the Peach Bowl. So he's moved on. Maybe they're not done there. But at the very least, Lee, you got a guy in Fleming who has seen the way it's done at one of the premier programs for that position in the country. So we'll see. You got a new offensive coordinator in there as well. A lot of, a lot of moving parts there offensively at Penn State right now. Within the last couple of hours, we've had big news come down. Look at that beautiful B-roll. Look at that. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, it's Iowa State versus Kansas State in a snowstorm. Pretty vigorous, pretty vigorous low-pressure system going to sweep across the country early next week, by the way. Some of your backyards will look like that. Uh, anyway, Will Howard. Here's what I was getting to. Will Howard, former quarterback at Kansas State. It looked like he was going to head to USC. Then Miller Moss decided to plant his flag in the ground in the bowl game, and Will Howard said, mm, probably not going there. I'm going to go to Ohio State. Boom, today, commits to Ohio State. So Ohio State has their guy after McCord moved on to Syracuse. You had Devin Brown there, but I think you watched the Cotton Bowl as well as I did, and you said, nope, don't like that. And so Ryan Day has gone and gotten Will Howard, 6'5", 242 pounds. He was the number six quarterback in the portal. I like him. I like the move for them. And this is not some place where he's going to have to go in and single-handedly resurrect the offense. You got a lot of competent, proven pieces around you. Just get, get first downs. That's really what they need there. Just move the ball. Get first downs occasionally. He's got 27 starts. They're going to have a really good defense there next year. So that's official as of late this afternoon, Will Howard and Ohio State. Remember Nick Scourton? He was the Purdue player, the edge player out of Purdue that I told you to watch because he had hit the portal and he, I think he led, Jesse, was it he led the Big Ten in sacks last year? Was that it? Okay. Well, he scheduled four visits and we told you that Tuesday. A&M was the first visit. Update, there will be no more visits. Mike Elko and company have locked him down and he is committed to Texas A&M. So if you had the other three visits, I'm sorry, fight to get the first visit. Old school recruiting, you wanted the last visit. In, in portal season, you want the first visit and then you want to push the other visits out the door. You want to you just slam the door in their face and that's what Mike Elko did. Hey, a lot of momentum, by the way, from that staff. Now, naturally, I grew up in West Central Georgia, so I'm a noted Aggie homer. Whatever evidence they have is whatever evidence they have, but it feels good. Some, some early returns, you know, on that, um, that seismograph that they use to measure seismic activity, 
the pins just kind of going like this right now in College Station. So that's not up and down, you know, not a 7.3 magnitude quake imminent, but moving up and down. Colin, that's where you can hit the outro. So, a little story for you right quick. I have experienced 11 tornadoes in my life because I chase tornadoes. They didn't, they didn't come find me. I have seen all kinds of severe weather. I've covered a Category 4 hurricane. Like, I've seen all kinds of weather, but I've never experienced an earthquake. So, most people don't want to experience an earthquake. I do, on my terms. I don't want to be in a building, but I've always kind of wanted to be like out in a wide open space and feel a minor to moderate earthquake, just to say I have. So, I'm in the Rose Bowl Monday, and I was doing a live hit really early in the morning. They hadn't opened the gates to the public. So, I do my live hit. After I get done, they inform me two things had happened. First, there was an earthquake in Los Angeles, and I didn't even feel it. And secondly, the rock walked by, and I didn't even get to see him because I was on the air. And I can only assume that the rock did not come over and say, hi, Josh, love the show, because he wanted to be professional and not interrupt the live shot. And Dwayne, if I can call you that, we appreciate that. But I wanted to feel the earthquake, and I didn't feel the earthquake, and apparently some of our colleagues that had not left our hotel yet did. So missed opportunity, I guess. Academy Sports and Outdoors sells tents that I would call earthquake-proof only because if they fall on you, they don't hurt you, but they do protect you from every other element. And that's one reason to shop there. Another reason is look and listen to the show tonight. It's free. It has been free. It will be free. For the foreseeable future, number one, because you subscribe to the channel and the podcast, which helps. And number two, because we got Academy right there, having our back. Academy.com is where you can go if you can't get there in person. A wide, wide, wide selection of sporting goods, but also just life essentials up to and not limited to big league chew. And spring, albeit a couple of months away, will be here soon enough. And I would encourage you guys, get outdoors in 2024 and get to Academy Sports and Outdoors right before you do. I mean, they literally have outdoors in the name. So if you don't trust me on it, trust them. But good people at Academy, and we appreciate them. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, I think it's time to talk about this. Let me, uh, let me take a sip out of the chalice. Kind of an unfortunate situation. Tuesday, we had a record number of whale breach sounds because my, my nasal passages were stopped up, and that's the only mechanism I have to fight that on air. <clears throat> Someone started putting whale emojis in the chat. I don't appreciate it. 
but I get it. And I would probably do the same thing. So the other day I put out a tweet. I was out in Los Angeles and everyone's there. Uh, a lot of power players in the industry are there. So naturally you talk to some people that you only get to run into a couple of times a year. And the topic slash topics on everyone's mind were portal, NIL, um, conference realignment, the future playoff contract, the expanded playoff, all that stuff kind of in this, this rubber band ball of, of confusion. And it seems like things are coming that are very, very substantial in college football. So I put this tweet out the other day. I said, I'm very confident big changes are coming in college football. Multiple tipping points have been hit. I don't know when or how yet, but every powerful person seems aligned in their belief that something big is imminent. So who am I talking about? What am I talking about? Uh, Let me get to the what in a second. The who is presidents, coaches, absolutely, networks, network executives, advertising partners, commissioners, basically all the power players you need at the table are in alignment that what's happening right now is not sustainable, it's not workable, it's not acceptable. Now, you may think to yourself, well, that's always been the case, Josh. Nope, nope, it hasn't. There have been pockets of those people. Coaches, most notably, have been pissed off for a long time about the current status because you got people who have never coached or played a day in their life who have built the world that they have to live in and exist in, and that's rubbed them the wrong way, just like it would rub you the wrong way. But lately, what's happened is other parts of the game have become unsustainable. Let me just kick you a scenario. What if you're Verbo? What if you're a major ad partner like Discovery? I won't even limit it to a specific ad partner. But let's just say you're a major ad partner. And the Orange Bowl, or the Sugar Bowl, or the Cotton Bowl approaches you and wants you to enter into an extended naming rights agreement with that particular game. Sounds good, man. College football is on fire. And so you agree to a very lofty price point. And then the game is 63 to 3. How would you feel about that? Not too good, right? Well, unlike you and unlike me and unlike maybe someone in the Late Kick Live chat right now, or, or maybe unlike someone in Section 338, those voices resonate and they resonate loudly. Because when your ad partners don't like the product you're giving them in bowl season, that gets people's attention. When coaches that are powerful enough unite and speak up and say, yeah, this is untenable. This isn't going to work now. People listen. And when a lot of those voices also coincide with television network executives who say, hold on a second. You guys are pitching us on bidding on a new college football playoff tournament, but you can't even guarantee us what the structure of the sport's going to look like. You can't even guarantee us what your policies are going to be year to year, whether it comes to NIL or Portal. No, we're not signing off on that. When all of those voices are aligned, then the power brokers realize it's probably time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. And if it means making concessions that we were previously unwilling to make, if it means broaching that E-word, employment status, if it means revenue sharing, if it means doing it, what I'm telling you based on the feedback I got last week in LA is they're ready to do it. That was the battle that had to be fought behind the scenes. Okay, first off, getting alignment with these people and getting them to agree on something is very hard. It's like herding cats. And somehow 
the kittens are all in a row right now. The next question is obviously, what's the timeline and what are the answers going to be? That right there, I think is going to be answered a little bit quicker than maybe you would typically expect. Because in college sports, nothing's ever moved fast. It is a molasses in December snail's pace normally to get change in this sport. Here's the good news. The good news is that playoff contract I talked to you about is not five years away. It's two years away. Oh, and by the way, like you heard when I was talking with Clatt on the show over Christmas break, next year's playoff, while you have a 12-team format agreed upon, hasn't even been signed off on from a network perspective. We don't even know which networks are going to carry the games. For all I know, we're going to carry a semifinal game on our YouTube channel. No one's figured it out yet. So there's immediate pressure. And then two years down the road, there's nothing at all. There's not even a playoff period that's agreed upon from 2026 and beyond. And that's because a lot of people want answers. Basically, people want to know what's college football going to be? Because this isn't a one-year thing. You don't just sign it like a lease agreement. When people are signing off on things of this magnitude, it's a five-year deal, it's a seven-year deal, it's a 10-year deal, and no one's signing nine or 10-figure contracts without knowing what's in the contract. It's, it's not the craziest concept in the world. It's just that the numbers have gotten big enough and the timeline's gotten um, crunched enough to where action is going to be imminent. I think everything's on the table. Like I said, I think um, collective bargaining is on the table. I, I am not the one who's qualified, nor would I even try to get into the specifics of what and of when and of whomst. But I think there are a lot of ideas. And unlike years past, there is a motivation. There's the necessary motivation in the room to get things done. Now, the other person that I want to address is anyone watching the show or listening to the show right now who's like me. You're, you're a traditionalist. You like the way things were just fine. You're kind of sort of turned off with the direction the sport has gone. I am going to suggest to you, go Wilson Phillips mode here. Hold on for one more day or maybe one or two more years. It's like the lost lyrics of that song. The, um, the perception you have right now is, College football has started to go down the slope, and once you get on a slippery slope, the nature of it is you never gain your footing again. What I actually think we may do is we may be right here, so we may have a little further to go down, but I think eventually there'll be a valley here, and I think when we get to whatever version of college football we're going to get to, in a sense, the final version, the, the finished version of college football... I actually think you're going to like it a lot more than you believe you will. I'm talking to myself as well. This isn't just blind guesswork. Um, some, of the, some of the people in the room, some of the ideas in the room, for example, getting the NFL in the room, not to mirror the NFL necessarily, but getting the NFL in the room so that you can have proper cooperation and also you can win the battles that you need to in a court of law which is where this will be decided, I think that that's going to yield a lot more positive result than you may first think it would when you hear NFL alignment and courtroom with college football. So this is going to be a theme on this show. I, I assume we're going to talk about it a lot over the spring and summer months. I don't think you're going to have to wait long. You're going to see action on this front. You're going to see breaking news. Um, you're going to see proposals. You're going to hear a lot of voices you may not normally hear at the college football table. And I would just say, give it a chance. 
Treat it like peace. Give it a chance. We'll see how things work out. I have more confidence now than I have in a long time. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We'll bookmark that. I'm not done talking about it, but we'll just bookmark it for now. Uh, let's see, what do we want to talk about next? First thing I would like for you to do, humbly, <clears throat> is I would like to ask you to subscribe to the channel because about 51% of our audience is subscribed, and I think we can do a lot better than that. The second thing I'm going to tell you to do is, as I said, we're flying to Houston tomorrow, and we'll be there all weekend. I got to hang with Canel all weekend. The company has, has made that my job. The, 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 the company has made it my job to put an end to 100,000 years of people being turned off by Danny Cannell. That is my task. And I'm willing to accept it because a company man I am. And I am going to document as much of our trip as I can on Instagram and Twitter, at Lake Kick Josh. So just make sure you're following. A lot of good behind the scenes content on these trips, as those of you who follow me can attest to from this season. LSU's making some big moves. So Brian Kelly goes all through bowl season and everyone's up in arms. Is he going to make a move? We can't accept this at LSU. Our defense is trash. And then the bowl game ends and Brian Kelly goes flush. And everyone's gone. Matt House, the defensive coordinator, gone. The defensive line coach, the corners coach, the safeties, they're all gone. They're all gone. So he's importing an entirely new defensive staff. Hey, we never flinched on the show. I know I didn't answer your DMs, but I saw them. We had hundreds and hundreds of LSU fans saying, hey, remember in the season, you got asked about this and you said point blank, yep, he'll make changes. I never flinched. I never flinched. We, we had it on pretty good authority this was coming. We just needed to wait. Well, now we wait no longer. Why did this need to happen? Uh, LSU was terrible defensively this year. That's why. 47.3 points per game. That's what they gave up in their three losses. And they still had the Heisman Trophy winner. Like, they were still one of the best teams in the country, even with how poor they were defensively. They gave up 108. Uh, let's see. This is one of those moments, Jesse, where I wrote down a stat, and I can't even remember what the 108 means. Oh, oh, I'll tell you what it is. They were 108th in the country in yards per game allowed. I knew I'd figure that out eventually. So Brian Kelly rightly looked at that and said, well, we're LSU. That's not good enough. Where are they going to go? Blake Baker's name's been thrown out there. That's the defensive coordinator at Missouri. As of airtime, nothing's been finalized there. I saw Bo Davis's name at Texas floated out there. A few different names, as is usually the case. This is well down the road. By the time this makes it public, by the time we're talking about it, uh, the wheels have been turning for weeks and weeks and weeks. I can confirm for you confidently that's been happening here. I don't know who they're going to hire yet. Um, Blake Baker's a good start. That's a good guess. But we'll see. So, so as of now, nothing's finalized. But it's about players, okay? So any coach who walks in and takes that role is going to look around and say, we got to get better players here. We got we to do better in recruiting. We talked about this on National Signing Day. Cooper Patagna and I, slash Cooper Patania and I, we sat there in Studio B and we looked and said, pretty good recruiting class. Where are the big bodies at? Uh, they don't have enough of them. They don't have enough difference makers there. And they, they need to greatly upgrade that's going to be a process. You're not just bringing in a guy to put on a headset, snap his fingers, and all of a sudden be 50 points better on the rankings list than you are right now. But what they were this year cannot happen again. I mean, they, they quite literally screwed themselves out of an opportunity to win a national title. Do you, you get that? No one will remember LSU circa 2023 
as a championship contender because they were that bad defensively. But <laughs> say this out loud. Okay, think about the history of LSU football. Think about what you know them for. You, you know them for defense. You know them for great cornerback play. You know them for, for their entire state producing difference makers enough to where they could have dominant D-lines and then other teams could have D-lines built from kids from Louisiana. And so all of a sudden, you have a year where you get the Heisman Trophy winner again at quarterback, and it's defense? It's the secondary that keeps you from, from doing anything of note? That can't happen. Brian Kelly or anyone else, that can't happen. So, you know, I always tell you about Keystone programs. LSU's one of them. Got a bunch of them in the SEC. LSU's one of them. So as, as much as you might look at them right now and say, ha, look at LSU. Where's your defensive staff? You don't have one? I don't think your AD shares that sentiment. Your AD probably knows if LSU comes calling, uh, unless we're literally Alabama or we're Georgia, you know, unless we are one of the top 1% or 2%, uh, they could probably take any one of our guys they want. So let's just keep our mouth shut and hope Brian Kelly looks in another direction. That's the attitude in athletic departments right now. They're watching the show in Colliersville, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, Shawnee, Oklahoma. Thank you guys so much. I watched bowl season. Don't think I wasn't watching bowl season. I just needed to get to tonight, get a breath of fresh air really quick before we dive back in and go to Houston tomorrow. I have some takeaways I want to talk to you about. I watched the Cotton Bowl. Disaster. Missouri, not from Missouri. They, they won. They beat Ohio State. But that was a red light alert. That was the moment where I think a lot of Buckeye fans looked and said, it's probably not going to be it's not going to be just Devin Brown. It's, it's even though, I mean, Ohio State was on a third string, guys. So it's, I think a lot of people looked and said, we need, we need much bigger movement here than uh, apparently Brian Day had previously thought about. Now, I think Ryan Day and his staff, while they didn't plan on getting virtually shut out, I think they looked and said, there's no way we can decipher anything from tonight. And uh, I couldn't, so I, I assume they couldn't as well. Big win for Eli Drinkwitz. You know, I, I don't think history will look back and remember, oh, this doesn't mean anything. Ohio State was without a bunch of guys. Forget that. Eli Drinkwitz, as we told you all year, has one of the top 20 or 25 staffs in college football. Not just him, his staff. Very, very underrated. And um, they've locked him up. And now Missouri's doing stuff in the transfer portal as well. So that's the first thing. That was a red light in terms of the future for Ohio State. But also, I watched Ole Miss and Penn State in the Peach Bowl, and that just further inflated 2024 to me. I mean, Ole Miss, you talk about inflation of expectation. 11 wins, and then they go grab everyone they want to out of the portal? I, they won 10 games this year. In the regular season, they won 11 with the bowl game. Th those people are going to set 10 wins as the floor of their expectation level next year. Jackson Dart's coming back. Wide receiver room will be filthy. Like their wide receiver room could be what Washington's was this year. I want you to know, I'm not overinflating that expectation. They got some nasty, nasty combinations of players they can put on the field at wide receiver. So what's a reasonable expectation level? Because I think some of you are looking at this and saying, uh-oh, Ole Miss is going to be legit. And then I think there's some others of you, pretty much anyone outside of Oxford, you're going to look at it and say, oh, fool's gold. Nope, you're not going to portal in an entire team. Those guys at the first sign of trouble, they'll bail. Well, 
I don't have an opinion yet because we're still so early into this, this whole experiment of an era that I think we're still seeing a lot of firsts. Like, this isn't Colorado level of transportation. There's no, there's no way that's the proper phrasing. But, but this isn't like Colorado. He's not literally bringing an entire team in via the portal. But he is bringing a lot of difference makers in, he being Lane Kiffin there. Uh, the quarterback movement and the quarterbacks that got elevated to starting positions in bowl games, Nico Iamaliava at Tennessee, really good day. They blanked Iowa. 35 nothing. He went 12 of 19 through the air, but he had three rushing touchdowns as well. And it was funny because when you saw the headline that Joe Milton was opting out of the bowl game, Tennessee fans said, uh, yeah, bet he is. The rest of the country said, uh-oh, Tennessee's got to start a true freshman. Tennessee fans said, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. We're, we're choosing to start the true freshman. Just believe any headline you want to. We're choosing to start the true freshman. They, in, they went in heavy on him, and I think you saw a little glimpse of why, and he'll, he's your guy. He's your guy next year. Jackson Arnold got the start for old Oklahoma because Dylan Gabriel hit the portal door. He had three picks. It was a mixed bag, but he threw for 361, 26 of 45. I mean, they threw it against Arizona. They threw it a lot. So that's going to be another exciting name. Do you understand as of now, he is an SEC quarterback? Get used to it. And I don't think people have had it sink in yet. OU Texas, SEC, next year, slash this year. Miller Moss went off for USC against Louisville. He was, 20, Jesse, we 23 of 33. Couldn't read my own handwriting. 372, he had six passing touchdowns. Enough to where Will Howard's in the portal. Everyone's got him crystal ball to USC. Will Howard settles in one night in his hotel room and says, who's Miller Moss? Whoa. Hello, Ohio State. Can I come visit? That's done. I mean, Lincoln Riley himself said, yeah, I think Miller Moss probably scared off anyone who was thinking about coming here in his postgame press conference. He knew. And if you got Miller Moss playing that way, you don't need a portal quarterback. Garrett Nussmeyer at LSU. Seems young, but he's not. He's been around a while. He elevates. And it's his team now. 31 of 45, nearly 400 yards through the air, three touchdowns. That was against Wisconsin in the ReliaQuest Bowl. What's your favorite ReliaQuest Bowl moment, by the way? I'll take responses in the live chat. In the meantime, that's four for four on promising young quarterbacks who are going to be playing for what figure to be contending teams next year. I also watched Virginia Tech and Tulane. I watched all the bowl games. Virginia Tech. I'm going to whisper this. I think Virginia Tech has something. They were 3-8 and eight two years ago. They just wrapped up a 7-6 and six season. They went from 113th to 23rd in the country in rush yards per game. Brent Pry, dare I say, has found something in Blacksburg. I'm talking quiet. I don't want the rest of the country to hear it yet. I want this to just be our little secret for a little while. But Virginia Tech, could this be? Could this be the year where we finally make it to a game at Lane Stadium? I, too soon to tell, but I feel it. I feel a little pulse out of Blacksburg, Virginia that I hadn't felt in a little while. And how could I ever cap bowl season without talking about the Pop-Tart Bowl? The Pop-Tart Bowl was one of the most amazing spectacles that this country has ever seen in the modern era. This has to be a college football playoff game in the near future. You remember The Office, season one, very forgettable. Looks nothing like the other season. Seinfeld, season one, unrecognizable. 
The Pop-Tart Bowl season one nailed it. Look at the Pop-Tart. The Pop-Tart takes his own life at the end of the game. He gives himself up. He sacrifices himself so that an edible version of himself can be spit out the bottom and the players eat him. Oh, and a football game happened. Like, congrats to Kansas State. But the Pop-Tart Bowl, it was like, it was like if you mix a Coldplay concert with a monster truck rally, with breakfast, with a football game. Throw it all in a blender, pour it out. That was the Pop-Tart Bowl. Just an unbelievable spectacle. So whatever we have to do to be aligned with the Pop-Tart Bowl, uh, we, are, we are at your service. Just a, a, a uniquely college football. That is a college football bowl game who, who understands what its role is and understands what they are and what they are not, and they nailed it. And it was a really good game, too. Right now, you can go to FanDuel, and you can look at the Michigan-Washington game. And you know that I talked about the game earlier, and, and I made my prediction for whatever that's worth, but I made a bet earlier on FanDuel. I'm going to give it to you right now, actually. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's a Ramen Noodle Express pick. I'm just telling you I have taken some of my money that this company has paid me for this job that I do, and I have bet the over at 56 and a half. That's the pick I'm confident in. I don't care if both of them lose, okay? Because no matter who I pick, it feels like I'll be wrong. But I could hit the over. Uh, someone could win 38, 37 either way, and I'll win. I'm taking the over there. And you don't have to bet but $5 on this thing, and you get 150 in bonus bets back. I mean, that's a deal right now over at FanDuel for our viewers. If you want all the information, it's in the show description here. But bottom line, you go over there as a new customer, you bet $5, you get $150 in bonus bets back. That's it. Like there's, there's no other string attached to that. So if you want to have a little fun, you want to ride along with me at your own peril, hit that over. $5. How many, how many $5 bets on the over do we think it would take to actually move the line? 10 million, 20 million? That's about the size of our audience. I think we could do it. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Here we go. Let's go into the um, never-ending bag of radical takes that you guys had. Probably one of the best questions I ever asked our audience is, what is your most radical college football take? I need to take a sip out of the chalice for this one. 
And also, for those of you listening on podcast, I found some coconut chapstick. And this stuff is delicious. I'm not totally sure I'm supposed to be tasting it, but it is delicious. So, no chap lips here tonight. I got hit up with the following radical take. It goes a little something like this. Quote, I've always believed the SEC is overrated, but I think Texas and OU will prove it next year. Fascinating, because best I can tell, Oklahoma just fell to Arizona. I saw Texas fall to Washington, but it's the SEC they're going to come in and run circles around. I've been on both sides of this argument. Okay, I've had people say the SEC is going to swallow OU in Texas, and I said, no, it's not. But then I've also got folks saying, Texas and Oklahoma about to show the SEC how real ball is played. They're going to struggle, and they're going to have some success, and in the end, I think they're going to fit in quite nicely in the conference. I think it's going to be a little bit of a wake-up call the first year. I think that you're going to find out you don't have as many, all due respect here, all due respect, you don't have as many three-star-laden rosters to get right against in this conference as you did in the Big 12. But at the same time, if you're Auburn, a week that would have seen you go to Kentucky or maybe go to South Carolina or go to Vanderbilt, and those three things are not all equal, but you get what I'm saying, all of a sudden you're going to Norman, Oklahoma or Austin, Texas, that's a different ball game as well. I am, I'm always asked this. I, I always ask this. Whenever someone tells me anything or anyone is overrated, I ask you, what are they rated? And you say, huh? Well, you tell me they're overrated. I'm asking you, first and foremost, what are they rated? And as far as I can tell, the SEC has been rated the number one conference in college football. Okay, so you must be telling me they're not the number one, in number one conference in college football. Otherwise, they wouldn't be overrated. They'd be properly rated. So if they're not, who is? The Big 12? You're, you can't be a serious person and tell me that. The ACC? The Pac-12? No, no. The Big Ten would be the only one that's comparable. It's not comparable. There's been no one that compares over any given five or ten year period to the SEC. I don't think any serious person is suggesting otherwise. So if you want to tell me you get tired of hearing folks chant SEC, cool, I'm with you. If you want to point out individual results, like the Rose Bowl, where folks who thought it was a tie game in their head went with Alabama because they thought somehow SEC would mean more. Okay, sometimes that's flawed logic. But if you want to tell me the conference has been overrated for a long time, they, they, they're, they've racked up more national championships in five-year periods than some of these conferences have in five decades. It's not, it's not close now. I don't ever say that. I'm the one against that phrase, and it's not even close. But in this particular vein, it's not close. You want to know how I'm the one thinking more logically? We'll put this up as an individual video. Colin will cut this after the show, and we'll upload it sometime in the next few days. And I'll look in the comment section, and someone will call this SEC homerism. Mind you, they won't present a valid rebuttal. They'll just call it SEC homerism. Why? Because the truth is homerism if it rubs you the wrong way. Or, even worse, it's clickbait if it rubs you the wrong way. Ooh. Clickbait. Gross. Nasty business out here, this clickbaiting. Next up, Timothy hit us up and said special teams should just be removed from the game. Stop letting games be decided by glorified soccer players as kickers and punters. Let real football players decide the game with offense and defense. 
Now, this is jarring because you and I have only known football as involving special teams. You got a kickoff, you've got punts, you've got extra points, you got field goals. And so it's hard to imagine football without it. Here's how I suggest you do it Imagine if the game didn't exist and you invented it today. Would you invent it? With all of those mechanisms, all those kicking apparatus, which is the plural of apparatus, attached to the sport. I'm not sure you would. Now, that doesn't always mean that's grounds for removal. I mean, there, there are a lot of things that exist right now that if given another opportunity, we wouldn't build, but, but we kind of tolerate. Uh, is, is punting and kicking, are those two of those things? Well, I will tell you this, Timothy, there are coaches out there who share your sentiment. There are coaches out there. I mean, most head coaches know very little about kicking, if they're being real with you. They know very little about it. And it aggravates them because they know the rest of the game. They, they, they understand blocking. They understand fundamentals of tackling. They understand coverages. They understand route concepts. But they have absolutely no clue, or most of them have very little clue, why a ball went wide left. They don't understand that if your plant foot was overextended and therefore you have a little lean in your upper body, it causes a jerk reaction on your kicking leg and therefore you hit maybe instead of the square of the football, you hit a little bit over to the right eighth of the football and, and therefore it, it curves a little bit. I mean, a lot of guys aren't thinking like that because they don't need to think like that because they don't think it's an important enough part of the game. They just know, hey, if your percentage is high enough, you're my kicker and if it's not, you're out of here. Well, a lot of them would just soon do away with it. I don't think all of them would. I'm not sure I would get a consensus on that, but I think most football coaches have found themselves driving home more than a time or two saying, I cannot believe that we work as many hours as we do through the spring and summer and fall only to have this game come down to a dude who is 155 pounds soaking wet, could not beat his way out of a wet paper bag, and he couldn't kick a football through an upside down H. I cannot believe that this is happening to me, but it happens but it happens. And so maybe in the future, it, it does sort of happen. I'm not sure you're ever removing kicking from the game. I do think there's a world where the kickoff and the punt, I do think maybe not the punt, but I think there's a world where the kickoff is gone in the near future. They've already kind of eliminated it anyway with what the fair catch does on kickoffs. So we'll see. I, I don't think that's, I think it's radical as a proposal only because it's hard to picture, but I do get where you're coming from there. I think you have a good heart, Timothy, when you're saying it, although you did speak very disparagingly against kickers and punters, and they do have souls just as well as anyone else does. Next up, from Miami, Florida, comes the following. There still hasn't been a team so complete and dominant as the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. This is a proposal I get a number of times per year. Do you want to debate 01 Miami versus anyone else? You pick your team. 94 Nebraska, uh, 2019 LSU. Well, I've never engaged in it because it's unprovable. It's, like it's an unwinnable argument because we can't ever see the teams play. I will tell you this, though. When I was going back and researching 01 Miami today, yeah, they had 17 first-rounders on that team. Yeah, they had 38 overall guys drafted on that team. Yeah, they won by nearly 33 points per game on average, and that's with close games against BC and Vatek that year. They still won by nearly 33 points per game on average. But I think 
one of the most fascinating statistics is there was a back-to-back portion of their schedule where Miami played two top 15 teams in consecutive weeks, and they beat them by a combined score of 124 to 7. Stats and info ran the math. It checks out. That is a Sarah McLaughlin special. That is painting the walls with their blood. Miami did that many, many times that year. The laundry list of players is insane. They beat Nebraska in the Rose Bowl. They won the national championship. They were perfect record. The teams that I think would be brought up the most are either the mid-90s Nebraska teams, or if you wanted to go from 01 on, uh, 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama statistically are the most dominant teams that have existed in our era. It's, it's an unfair argument. I mean, if, dude, if I, put, if I put teams on the field that have 20 years advantage on you in terms of just knowing how the game evolved since then, uh, strength and conditioning, nutrition, speed training, like all that stuff makes it an unfair fight. I, and at the same time, even if I took 19 LSU or 20 Bama and dropped them into 01, I can't do a straight up comparison. So here's what I'll say. In their era, that's the most dominant team. That There certainly has not been a roster that looked like that in that era. And then you fast forward, and I think uh, Joe Burrow's 2019 LSU squad and that 2020 Steve Sarkeesian offense at Alabama was pretty terrifying as well. And that's that. We are headed to Houston tomorrow. I will have you something Sunday. Now, a fair warning, fair warning. Our schedule is crazy in Houston this week. So it may be that the show pops up on the channel a little bit earlier than its normal start time on Sunday. We'll see about that. But I will have you something there Sunday. We're going to have a little fun with it. Uh, We'll have coverage on CBS Sports HQ all day Monday leading up to the game if you want to check that out. And then Washington, Michigan, live from Houston, Texas, Monday night to crown a national champion. We'll be there front and center. We appreciate you guys, as always, for making it possible. For producer Jesse, for director Colin, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great start to your weekend, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.